Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with another ambulance wait horror story in this province. A BC man is fuming over his brother's agonizing ordeal. As Paul Johnson reports, he says his brother had to wait seven hours to get help. He was uh, in a lot of pain in his left hip. Bill tells us about the dreadful experience his brother had this week trying to get an ambulance. The brother wants to remain anonymous, but he's a 63-year-old with multiple serious health problems who found himself in severe pain Tuesday. So much so that the family felt they couldn't take him to hospital on their own. Bill says they called for an ambulance about midnight. Finally, the ambulance showed up around 7 a.m. the following morning. Brought him here to Langley Hospital, and it turns out uh, he'd been laying there all day with a broken hip. Seven hours, Bill says, his brother waited, scared and in pain. Told by dispatchers his case wasn't a high enough priority for faster response. Global News reached out to the B.C. Ambulance Service, but didn't get a response in time for this report, which, if accurate, would be the latest in a chilling series of reports of British Columbians unable to get emergency response when they need it. Any situation where we see somebody in their time of need not getting a timely ambulance to treat and transport them to the hospital is, uh, is an unacceptable. And unfortunately, we're seeing that more and more. Explanations for this state of affairs frequently include reference to the complicated web of government and economic factors that support our health care system. But Bill insists in B.C., the buck stops with one man. John Horgan's got to stop pointing the finger at the federal government and fix the system that's broken here. The system wasn't working when we arrived and we've tried to make amendments. We brought the issue to Premier Horgan Friday, who says they're working to modernize the system and exploring things like sharing out some of the calls with fire departments acknowledging it's all a work in progress. In the long term, uh, we need to build out the system further. Uh, we've started that uh, back in 2017 and we'll continue to do that. In Langley, Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, the city of Vancouver is holding a draw at this hour to determine what the ballots will look like in next month's civic election. This is a live shot inside City Hall, the draw being held to determine the order of the names on the ballots. But most of the focus this week has been on which names will appear. Madagahi has more on a controversial court case. When applying to run for public office in Vancouver, the city asks simply that the candidates submit the name they go by or their usual name to appear on the ballot sheet. But after 14 candidates in this year's election asked to have their names also appear in Chinese languages and one in Farsi, the city decided to take them to court and have a judge decide if it would be appropriate. And it appears the application by Chief Electoral Officer Rosemary Hagawara was too close to the city's own deadline 
to finalize ballots. The idea that in uh, 72 hours the court's going to decide who's allowed to use an ethnic name and who's not was a bit crazy and the court wasn't going to go there. The judge saw no other option than to exercise the court's judicial independence and push the decision ultimately past the election. But perhaps not surprisingly, outside the courtroom on Friday, the issue took on a life of its own after a lawyer, Susanna Quayle's argument that some candidates may be inventing a Chinese name for political gains. The argument that the lawyer made was an outrage. The argument that their lawyer put forward in court was an outrage, and people should be outraged by what she was saying. That unless you have an Asian face, a Chinese face, or you belong to a particular group, you can't have a name. So I have two names from the Chinese community. I have a Chinese wife. It is a big difference using a name for marketing and outreach to voters who are Chinese speakers, and we have a um, huge population of Chinese speakers here in our city, rather than having your real usual name. And I think it's up to candidates when they fill in their nomination papers. They need to use their moral compass to say, yes, this is my usual name, or, hey, maybe I'm not sure, and not go forward with a, another name. So those candidates that applied to have their name in a second language on the ballot walked away from court happy. Now, a little bit of context into what is going on inside City Hall uh, for you. Those randomized draws for those candidates, very important to, to candidates, especially in a crowded field for City Council, for example, where there are 58 candidates. I've spoken to some inside who cheered when their name got announced because they believe the higher their name, the better chance they will have. We'll see if that comes true on October 15th. Imad, thank you. John Horgan received a warm welcome in Whistler today at the Union of BC Municipalities. He was there to deliver his final UBCM speech as Premier. Richard Zussman has more on his address and what the outgoing NDP leader has to say about the controversy surrounding the race to replace him. It's the latest stop in John Horgan's farewell tour. Welcomed by a standing ovation from municipal leaders across BC. The Premier sending a message of collaboration. To say every day that I don't have the answers to the world's problems, but I can find them if I find allies and accomplices. The Premier's annual speech at UBCM often full of big promises. Gordon Campbell removed tolls on the Coquihalla. Christy Clark announcing a massive replacement. Even Horgan himself back in 2017 promising cash for overdose prevention. This time, no promises and this explanation. We don't think about how we could save announcements for municipal and local governments for this week. We say, how can we come into this week and learn what we need to do over the next year? Municipal leaders have come to the table with some big asks from the province, including ensuring hospitals, emergency rooms and ambulance service are open 24 hours a day across all communities. Their support and funding for mental health, including patient discharge and re-establishing the province as the diking authority to manage flood concerns. Horgan committing to work with mayors on all these issues, but still asking for patience. We all know we won't be able to resolve those problems just by getting to tomorrow. But we have to commit to each other today that we're going to do our level best to improve the lot of the people who elected us. And while reflecting back, Horgan being drawn into the debate on what comes next. Both Elections BC and the BC NDP are investigating allegations into wrongdoing connected to replacing Horgan. 
questions about how Anjali Apadurai's campaign signed up members and paid for resources. I'm concerned, seriously concerned about uh, the integrity of the process, but I know uh, I've been a member of the NDP since 1983. I know we think very hard about these issues and we put in place processes to protect the integrity of the, of the system and uh, people are, are charged with that. And Horgan can also leave UBCM knowing one thing. While these municipal leaders are still looking for answers, this final standing ovation expressing a sense of gratitude as well. Richard Zussman, Global News, Whistler. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now. This controversy involving a powderized mm -hmm. leadership campaign isn't really going away, is it, Keith? No, and it's probably going to get a little, lot more uglier than it is right now. There's a lot of concern in the NDP caucus of what's unfolding. A number of MLAs contacted me yesterday and today, and cabinet ministers as well, pointing out that uh, even if she were to win, which is by no means a certainty, uh, she would not be the premier. She would simply be the leader of the party. She'd have no seat in the legislature. She would not be in the caucus. I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure she would not survive a vote of confidence from this caucus. And uh, MLAs also pointed out, you just heard John Horgan talk about processes in the party. One of the processes that is yet to be activated is the vetting process. And parties can vet candidates and declare them ineligible without giving a lot of details behind that decision. Not sure that's going to happen here, but the vetting process can be a very complicated one and it can lead to some pretty interesting outcomes. We'll see if that happens in this situation. All right, more to come for sure. Thanks very much, Keith. And Premier John Horgan was unfiltered in his response to the final question put to him today at the UBCM about the tactics of old growth protesters. Uh, to the critics, I say, get a life. To the critics, I say, listen to communities. Uh, when I hear people say that uh, they're speaking for Indigenous people, I say, have you ever met an Indigenous person? Have you been in a community that struggled with poverty for generations? And when they see an opportunity, some do-gooder comes in with a tilly hat and says, you're all bad people. The government needs to do this. The government needs to do that. People need to stand up and support each other. And to the critics, I say, put your name on a ballot and see how much support you have. The province is one step closer to avoiding job action from public school support workers. The union representing more than 40,000 support workers says it's reached a tentative agreement with B.C. public schools. In a statement, the K-12 President's Council says details on the three-year deal will not be made public until the deal is endorsed by K-12 school support members. The union represents workers such as educational assistants, secretaries and youth support workers. We'll get ready to pay even more to dine out because menu prices are set to increase. A new report says rising food costs, labor shortages and mounting debt are all compounding the situation for restaurants. As Catherine Urquhart reports, don't expect a reprieve anytime soon. At Steamworks in downtown Vancouver, they continue to serve menu favorites. But as inflation drives up the cost of food, items are becoming pricier. Well, it's more and more expensive these days, that's for sure. Do you get sticker shock ever when you go into a restaurant? On occasion, I do notice the prices have gone up. These days, keeping increases to a minimum is a huge challenge for restaurants. They're dealing with labor shortages on top of sky-high food prices. It's the trickiest pricing relationship I've had with customers in all my years in the business. 
and it may get even more expensive to eat out. In its annual report, Food Services Facts, Restaurants Canada says menu prices are expected to increase 7.8% by the end of the year. About 35% of restaurant operators say they'll be raising prices even more than that, some by up to 15% by 2023. Beef is up, uh, uh, you know, double digits. Poultry is up double digits. Cooking oil over 20%. So uh, we've, we've certainly got a lot of cost increases. Approximately 85% of restaurant owners took on additional debt during the pandemic. And Restaurants Canada notes 542 B.C. restaurants permanently closed between April 2021 and July 2022. We do our research, we pay attention to what's happening in the market, and we really do try to be fair. Fair prices sure to be even more important to diners in the coming months, as increases are expected to continue. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A new low for a downtown business trying to cope with disorder and chaos. Why this Gastown merchant is paying the price for being the victim of vandals and why he wants the city to back off next on the News Hour. It is so important for us to come together and heal. Setting up for a three day immersive cultural adventure and celebration. How you can take part later. And keep an eye out for the goat that got away from the BCSPCA. That's coming up as well. Right now, though, a Gastown area business that's been inundated with graffiti says it is now being fined by the city. That's right. City bylaws require business owners to keep their properties tag-free, but fees to have graffiti removed have skyrocketed. And as Kristen Robinson reports, he's paying the price for not clearing tags off his garbage bin. They painted this, uh, this devil face. David Mackay says a film crew recently paid him to add more graffiti to his downtown Vancouver alley wall. It's cruelly ironic. The $500 he received, the same amount as the fine the city levied earlier this year for the state of this dumpster. With all the problems going on in the city right now, graffiti on a garbage bin in an alley is so far down the list, it's ridiculous. Dresso's supply has been on West Hastings since 1981. The storefront secured at the end of March 2020 remains boarded up to guard against vandalism. The windows of neighboring businesses regularly smashed. Mackay says he paid to get rid of graffiti for 25 years until the monthly fee jumped 400% during the pandemic. We spent tens of thousands of dollars over decades fighting graffiti and it just doesn't work. In March, the city warned waste connections that has been violated bylaws because the hauler label and user address were obscured by graffiti. An order to comply followed. Mackay refused to repaint the dumpster, knowing it would be tagged again. The garbage hauler was then slapped with a $500 ticket for failing to obey the order. A fine, Mackay says, was passed on to him. It just seems punitive and, and ridiculous. The city isn't helping the small businesses. They're, they're finding them for being victims of crime. I, I just can't get my head around it. We need to come up with a better set of solutions for this particular case. Councillor Pete Fry says the policy intended to keep a lid on graffiti isn't working in this case. Punishing him, and he obviously can't keep up with it, nor can his hauler. So there's certainly 
some work that we need to figure out. While the city issued the fine, it blames the waste hauler for passing it on to the business. The number of orders issued for waste containers with missing labels or excess garbage increased from 102 last year to 170 so far in 2022, while tickets are also up from 18 to 34 this year. So I think the city needs to take a completely different approach. Mackay even paid 150 bucks for a new bin, which was almost instantly covered in graffiti. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A random attack in Victoria has sent one person to hospital with stab wounds. It happened last night around 9.30. Victoria police say a man repeatedly stabbed someone sitting on a bench near Pandora Avenue and Vancouver Street. The victim ran to safety and police say their injuries do not appear to be life-threatening. No arrests have been made. Meanwhile, a police officer who was investigating that scene last night also fell victim to a random attack. Vic PD say a man swung a skateboard at the officer's head. He was arrested at the scene and the officer wasn't hurt. We are certainly seeing an increase in uh, files involving people with weapons and knives. Uh, there have been several incidents over the past couple of weeks. And uh, this really, uh, I think, underscores some of the concerns that our officers have and that people have. The suspect also had an outstanding warrant in another jurisdiction. He was released on a promise to appear in court. Any witnesses to the stabbing are asked to call Victoria Police. Meantime, a stash of weapons has been recovered from a tent in the Hastings Street encampment. Vancouver Police say it began investigating reports of illicit drugs and weapons stored inside a tent at Hastings in Maine earlier this week. Officers have since seized a sawed-off shotgun, two replica pistols, ammunition, two cans of bear spray, and various axes, swords, knives, batons, and bats. Five people have been arrested, and the investigation is ongoing. Police in Surrey have seized illicit drugs from a convenience store they believe was being used for drug trafficking. This is what the Surrey RCMP drug unit recovered from a corner store near 102 Avenue and City Parkway. It includes 200 grams of fentanyl, 38 grams of methamphetamine, 17 grams of cocaine and $150,000 in cash. Police are recommending drug trafficking and possession charges against at least four people. Still ahead, the queue to join the queue. Just today is meant to be shared together. The British superstar who joined the massive crowd winding its way to see the Queen. Bit of a delay here in Surrey, a two-car crash westbound on Highway 10 just before 168th Street in the left lane, still waiting for emergency crews to arrive on scene. At BCAA, we are over 1 million members strong and moving you forward through the power of membership. Join the movement today at bcaa.com. Trish was in a Global One, high above a crash in Surrey. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, his wife Sophie Gregoire, and many members of the Canadian delegation, including actor Sandra Oh, have landed in London to take part in the Queen's funeral. They will be meeting up with other members of the delegation tomorrow. Trudeau has a meeting scheduled with King Charles III on Saturday. And it is now estimated the wait to see the Queen's coffin could be as long as 24 hours. Earlier today, the lineup reached capacity and officials temporarily paused entry. And as Redmond Shannon reports, there was a very familiar face in that lineup. Full up and frustrated. Now, it's move away from the park. You're not going to get access. 
The line to see the Queen lying in state reached capacity early Friday, stretching eight kilometres, a 14-hour shuffle along the River Thames. We can't be leaving everyone in this, in this area or it's just going to be packed full of people. Inevitably, a queue formed to join the queue. We're positive. We're staying We're positive. positive, aren't we? <laughs> and hoping that it does reopen. Commotion at the front of the line too. Soccer star David Beckham said he waited 12 hours overnight. Today is meant to be shared together. So, you know, the fact that we've been here, we're eating Pringles, we're eating <laughs> sherbet lemons, you know, we're eating sandwiches. Once inside, the emotion clearly visible on the face of England's sports icon. By late afternoon, the back of the line reopened again, but officials warned that it could now take 24 hours to reach the front, and temperatures could drop as low as 7 degrees overnight. King Charles visited the last of the four UK capitals since becoming monarch, Cardiff, Wales. The former Prince of Wales addressing Parliament in Welsh. I now pass to my son, William whose love for this corner of the earth is made all the greater by the years he himself has spent here. The new Prince and Princess of Wales met with Commonwealth troops outside London, including Canadian forces, as those troops prepare to take part in Monday's funeral. Later, the King hosted faith leaders at Buckingham Palace before returning to Westminster Hall. A silent vigil along with his three siblings, just as they did in Edinburgh. The Queen's grandchildren, including William and Harry, will do the same on Saturday. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. And a reminder, we'll have live coverage of the Queen's state funeral on Monday, starting at 2 a.m. Pacific, right here on Global Television globalnews.ca and our other streaming platforms. It'll be rebroadcast on BC1 at 3 o'clock Monday afternoon. Up next, Growing the Guardians. Can collect information and data. First Nations appeal for funding to keep a watch on the coast. Now that they have the authority to do so. And paramedics in training still waiting to take their tests. The backlog making a bad situation worse. Here we are over at the Alex Fraser Bridge where traffic is moving pretty well north and south. There is leftover volume in Richmond though on the east-west connector near Knight Street because of a crash in the left lane. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside the real Canadian superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Six BC First Nations communities are keeping an eye on their traditional territories through an Indigenous Guardian program, but it's a tough job. And the group say their resources don't stretch far enough. With environmental concerns rising, the Guardians believe their services are needed now more than ever. But as Kylie Stanton reports, it comes at a cost. The history here runs deep. We're driving a tube into the ground of an archaeological site. For thousands of years, the First Nations have protected this territory, guardians of the land, sea and living environment around them. And this is the next generation. 
Our goals for the Guardian program are to make sure that each of our communities have that boots-on-the-ground presence in their territories. Currently, there are just 20 Guardians representing six First Nation communities, all part of the Nanwakolis Council. Their traditional territory stretches from Nanaimo north. Leaders say increasing their stewardship is critical. We're seeing the destruction of all our ecosystems. We can collect information and data in our territory to essentially fill in the gaps of how to preserve it. Drone technology is playing a major role, helping the Guardians map everything from the forests to seabeds, what allows for more efficient monitoring. Yeah, for yourselves, you but the job can expand beyond compliance and enforcement. We have the North reporting the ground. First Nations are often first on scene when tragedy strikes whether it's the sinking of a ferry, a whale watching boat, or even an oil spill. More trained responders is definitely advantageous. Now the plan is to grow the Guardian program, doubling the current force to 40 permanent paid jobs. The Nanwakolis Council is seeking funding from the government, corporations, philanthropists, and the public. We figure if we can put $30 million in an endowment, this will keep this program going forever. It's part of a global movement towards Indigenous-led stewardship. Back in June, a memorandum of understanding was signed, giving the coastal guardian watchmen the same legal authority as park rangers. The recognition paving the way for healing. That's reconciliation. With programs like this one looking to expand, it helps to propel that shift in oversight and authority. And that's being called truly historic. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Global News has learned of another problem contributing to long ambulance waits. The union representing paramedics and dispatchers says there are delays of several months to get new paramedics trained, tested, and into the system. Ramina Dea reports. We heard from a frustrated, aspiring paramedic who told us there's so much red tape he's given up. He's applied for a different job. He's certified as an EMR, emergency medical responder. But there's a six-month backlog for the final test, which is required in order to become a paramedic. The president of the union tells us he's getting reports of delays anywhere from three to six months. Troy Clifford says at any given time, 30% of BC's ambulances are not staffed because of paramedic shortages, adding that more training spots and examiners are needed in order to get licensing done faster so that more new recruits can take a seat in an ambulance instead of somewhere else. We've got to get those students that are coming out of these courses into our profession. And we're losing a lot of them because of the the precarious model of on-call where that $2 an hour and the disparity in wages. They're choosing to go into industry, private, but other uh, professions as well, even though they've taken the EMR and PCP. We really need to maximize the opportunity to get those people and recruit them into this profession. BC Emergency Health Services tells us more spots have been added in several communities, including Oliver and Haida Gwaii, but it failed to give us specific details on how this will clear the backlog. Romina Dea, Global News. Coming up, the goat that got away, where he disappeared from, and why the BCSPCA is hoping you can help find him. And coming up in sports, why Connor Garland is feeling a lot more comfortable in the Canucks locker room this season.
A major three-day event to celebrate Indigenous culture begins tonight in Langley. The Stalu Powwow is being held on Kwantlen First Nation land, and organizers say it will welcome Indigenous groups from across Canada and the U.S. More than 1,000 people will participate in traditional singing, drumming, and dancing competitions. The powwow is also hosting more than 50 vendors offering Indigenous food, arts, and crafts. Organizers are welcome, welcoming everyone to celebrate Indigenous culture. It is so important for us to come together and heal. There's been so much trauma in our world throughout the last couple years, and there has been no powwows in the last couple years. So being able to be a part of this and grow together and heal together, ground together and celebrate, I think it's just healing for everybody. The event will be held at the Langley Events Centre and runs until Sunday. What an invitation. Mm -hmm. Put that on the calendar for sure. Okay, let's check in with uh, Christy now and a look at the weather. Really brightened up in the afternoon, mm -hmm. Christy. Ugh. It was so nice to see blue sky today, wasn't it? Without all that haze. Hey, I also want to just quickly mention, uh, I've seen a few advertisements in uh, with other... Um, uh, outlets that there is some snow in the forecast for early next week and there is a chance and I'll show you where and when but uh, don't get too excited about that but yes potential for summer snow in BC I suppose all right yes so so nice to see that blue sky today here's a look at the air quality health index we've got blue across the southern parts of the province except a little bit hazy and through that far eastern corner uh, so Cranbrook still dealing with a little bit of haze but there's still one area and that's the BC Peace River area so the battleship mountain fire is still producing a lot of smoke. Good news today, they had some cloud cover, cooler conditions, and there's more rainfall on the way. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. So we're expecting that rain to be uh, in place overnight and through the morning hours. So we're really hoping for some improvement for that fire. Let me show you, though, the south coast in this image. Yes, cloud cover, everyone, for the south coast. So I know we saw blue sky today. We are expecting mainly overcast skies for our Saturday, but it clears out nicely for Sunday. And I know the kids are out on Monday, so they'll be continuing sunshine on Monday so we've got a couple of great days on the way but this is what I just want to quickly point out it's actually a remnants from a typhoon Murbach that is bringing the potential for cooler conditions in through these areas so maybe in through Fort Nelson you could see some flurries this is Monday morning or overnight Sunday into Monday and then into McBride Vailmont that's still days away so don't get too excited about it but yes there is I guess the potential for a little bit of snow uh, in through um, those eastern sections on Monday uh, but but overall, we're expecting dry, sunny conditions actually for several days. We've got a nice ridge of high pressure that's about to build. So uh, cloudy tomorrow, cooler certainly, but we'll warm up on Sunday with that sunshine. And it looks like that sun is here to stay right through until Wednesday. So we've got a great stretch of weather on the way. Reminder, though, uh, I just had a note from Roger in through the Chilliwack area. This is day 44 of dry weather. They only had a few showers there. So make sure you're really careful when you're enjoying the great outdoors. It is still super dry despite we said had a little bit of rainfall today, um, but there's some areas that didn't. This is a nice shot looking out from Abbotsford and sending us this. I love the two layers of cloud, the cirrus cloud higher up and then the, those more thick or tall clouds down below. All right, guys, back to you. Love it. Thanks, Christy. Well, we do a lot of stories these days about goats, as in greatest of all time. That's right, usually in a sporting context, but this one, though, is about an actual goat and He's out of here. The SPCA says shortly after this little guy was transferred from Richmond to their Surrey barn, he managed to scale a fence and escape. 
He was nearly caught by staff, but was a little too quick for them. The SPCA is asking you to keep an eye out for the goat, who they have renamed Houdini. He was last seen in the area of 168th and 50th in Surrey. The SPCA says he's very small and very quick, so uh, probably don't bother trying to catch him yourself. Just give them a call if you spot Houdini anyway. That, that's how they describe me if I went missing. <laughs> Very quick He's and very, very small, small and very quick. Yeah, that's Watch true. out for that guy. I've played basketball against you. I can attest to it. Yes, that's true. I'm small and quick. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's funny about the word goat. There was a time in sports, it was exactly the opposite. If you were the goat, it means you were the person who basically lost the game for your team. Now it's the greatest of all time. Okay, so Connor Garland says joining the Canucks last season is kind of like changing schools or changing jobs. It takes a while. To be yourself around everybody. You know, becoming friends with these guys has been great for me and just uh, definitely feel more comfortable in the room. Yes, now that he's been with the group for a full year, he feels more like himself and that should help him during games as well. Also ahead, Squire's moment of levity after a heavy week of news. Satellite debris is still to come. stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. That was back when we used to leave the studio. Stand right next to each <laughs> other. Engage with We're the public. We're a little closer now. We are a now. A little yeah. closer. Not shoulder to shoulder Not yet. super close. One day. One day we'll get back there. Yeah. One day you'll be allowed back at the desk. Really? Mm -hmm. With both of you or if, only when one of you is missing? If you're very good. Okay. We can talk I will do my it. best. This time I will be polite. <laughs> this time I will. I promise. Uh, if you look at his career and his stats with the Canucks last year, Connor Garland's first season in Vancouver really wasn't all that bad. He had 19 goals. And only one of those goals was on the power play. So that's 18 five on five, or he might have had some shorthanded ones. I probably should have looked that up. And even though some think plus minus is an archaic stat, the players still give it importance. And he did lead the Canucks as a plus 18. But everybody, including him, feels there is certainly room for improvement. Broken up, and here's Miller ahead. Breakaway. Connor Garland put up some pretty good numbers in his first season as a Canuck. 19 goals, a career-high 52 points in 77 games. All of that production while he admits he didn't really feel comfortable in Vancouver until late in the season. Coming to a new team, in a new country, with new teammates, it all took a lot more time than expected to settle in. You know, I'm a talkative person, so just being in the room this year at camp, uh, camp was tough last year for me. I had to be quiet, didn't know many guys, didn't, know, uh, didn't really talk much. So this year, being comfortable with this group, talking to the guys throughout the summer and, you know, becoming friends with these guys has been great for me and just uh, definitely feel more comfortable in the room. And now that he's more comfortable, he is expecting to be even more productive in year two. He was second on the Canucks in five-on-five five points last season and wants to be that reliable guy who doesn't get into any prolonged slumps. You don't have lapses in the year. Or, you know, you want to you play uh, hard each and every night and produce for the team. 
and uh, just be a consistent player that Bruce can rely on each and every night for all 82 games. He wants to puck all the time. When when he kind of gets away from that, uh, that's when he's not uh, um, that effective. So that's what he needs to do. He wants to he wants to puck every single t uh, time. So uh, when he's doing that, he's he's really effective player. And if things go well for the team this year, Bruce Boudreaux will be behind the bench for all 82 games after coming in mid-season last year. Having Boudreaux here from the start is just another level of comfort for Garland. I know what I'm, I'm getting you know, from game one from Bruce, and Bruce knows what he's getting with me from game one, so that's nice. And he knows it with everybody that's, that's returning. And um, Bruce someone who loves the game, um, which we have in common, and we like to talk hockey together, and that's, that's an easy thing to get along with from that standpoint, so it'll be nice to have him for the full season. Okay, I looked it up. No shorthanded goals, one power play goals, 18-5 on five for Garland. The Whitecaps play at home again tomorrow, just a few days after beating the LA Galaxy. They're going to face Seattle. The Sounders have not lost to Vancouver in 15 straight games. How is that possible? You'd think sooner or later the Whitecaps would have got a fluke win, but no. Seattle has 10 wins and five draws against Vancouver dating back to 2017. The Sounders are also fighting for their playoff lives, so they need a win badly. The Whitecaps playoff chances, as we said yesterday, very slim. They're realistic about it, but they obviously still want to end this Atacama-like drought against Seattle. The other big motivation I don't think is the playoff per se because don't let's not hide ourselves it's it's gonna be like the climb in the Everest uh, but if we win for sure the next game is still meaningful and the last game of the season at home is still meaningful for something and I think that should be enough motivation to 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 try to win this game Canada will take 27 players to Europe for two World Cup warm-up games this month one of the uh, 27 is white cap forward Lucas Cavallini, who's still on suspension for stepping on a player last month, but it will end in time for him to play against Canada, or with Canada, I should say. Uh, these two games are in Europe, but they're not against European teams. They'll face Qatar next Friday in Austria, and then they'll play 13th-ranked Uruguay September 27th in Slovakia. I think we've, we've got some good games here, uh, particularly, you know, I have to say, the game against Uruguay, I mean, that's a massive... It was a massive coup for Canada to pull that one off in Europe. Um, you know, I know a lot of hard work went in behind the scenes to make that happen. So, you know, that, that's going to be a real test. And it's not necessarily a tactical test. It's a test of this will be the first time, again, you play a team of, you know, 400-plus million value. Davis Cup today, and check this out. Felix Auger-Aliassime is taking on the new world number one, Carlos Alcaraz. It's Canada and Spain. Vashik Pospisil lost the first singles match, so we had to win this one, and Auger-Aliassime came through, beating Alcaraz. Now, to be fair and not to knock down what Felix did, Alcaraz had to play a lot of sets at the U.S. Open. So he might be a little fatigued, but still, Felix came out and beat him. So whoever wins the doubles match wins this. It's Pospisil and Oje Aliassime together. Look at that shot from Pospisil. Nice. And Canada would win this. They won the doubles, so they are now 2-0. They've beaten South Korea and Spain. They'll take on Serbia tomorrow. And Serbia will not have Novak Djokovic on their team. Also tomorrow, of course, BC Lions are in Calgary with Vernon Adams 
as the starting quarterback. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Big test there for sure. All right. We're back with Satellite Debris in just a minute. Stick around. All right, spend your Friday night with Jordan Armstrong. Here he is with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Said no one ever. Thanks, Sophie. We'll have more tonight on the unfiltered side of Premier John Horgan, including what he had to say about street disorder, something he admits is a big problem in B.C. communities. Plus, it was Freedom Day for five harbor seals rehabilitated at the Vancouver Aquarium. We'll have pictures of their release back into the wild at 11. Sophie? All right, thanks very much, Jordan. A wild and crazy Friday night with your uh, uh, Yeah, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be something? I personally would enjoy it. Oh, yeah. A lot of people would. But it's baby time when he gets home. That's true. Uh, all right, we've made it to the end of the week. It's been heavy in many ways, mm -hmm. uh, but perseverance pays off, and you'll see that that is true in satellite debris, too. Well, and the first, uh, the first item I'm going to show you is a commercial that is basically selling the idea of you getting a will. They're going to do it with uh, dark humor. Here we go. Come on, let's cheer on Micah! Whoa, let's whoa. go, Liz! Yes, Liz! Yeah. Let's go! Come on, go! Come on! It's a good message. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Dying. Dying. Life does that. Life does yeah. that. It's true. Okay. Um, two from Geico. The first one uh, featuring, well, you might know who this is. Well, actually, you will because her name's written down, but here we go. Mm -hmm. Windshield. Take one. You say I got a crack in my windshield. At least uh, maybe less heartbroken. Geico lets you file a claim online, over the phone, or with their app. That makes me want to say, stay. Are, are you crying? No, there's, there's pollen. Geico, great service without all the drama. We love our new apartment. Great kitchen, open floor plan. But there's not much privacy. <laughs> What happened to your wall? At least Geico makes bundling our renters and car insurance easy. Does save us a ton. Hmm. What's on this chicken? Paprika. <laughs> Paprika! 
That's my catchphrase. For bundling made easy, go to Geico.com. Creepy. <laughs> yeah, a little weird. Okay, the last two are some old favorites, uh, both involving pizza pops. Here we go. Brian, I can't feel my I'm legs. I'm sorry, Gary. So cold. Gary. Hey, Gary, think fast. Pizza pops are loaded. Steve, put down the hammer. Steve, no! Pizza pops are loaded. Well, I'm gonna call your pet monkey Steve and my force him to blow up the pizza pops. That has never made pizza pops appetizing for me. I just the don't... fact that they can explode yeah. all over the place. I, yeah. just... I don't think I've ever had them. I don't think I've had a pizza pop either. No, I've had pizza and I've had pop, yes. but never a pizza. Never pop. pizza and pop together. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, that's a, good a very good idea. Yes, there might be that in Especially the Jalen family household tonight. I regretfully admit that I have had one, but they're one for one. kids, right? And Aren't there they... wasn't a lot in it. Oh, yeah. See, Pretty disappointing cool. now. Yeah, but you got to try them as a mom every once in a while. <laughs> yes, you do, because the kids love them. Do people still eat Pop-Tarts? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chris does. Okay. There's, there's boxes of them in the <laughs> servery, but you can't touch. you got people's oh. names on them. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. Intriguing. Uh, final word on the weather, Christy. Sure, so we expect cloud cover tomorrow. Tomorrow will be overcast, but we'll come out of it. Sunday, we've got lots of sunshine on the way, and I'm pretty excited about that BC Peace River area getting some rainfall tonight and tomorrow morning. Yeah. I'm sure they are too. No doubt. All right, thanks very much, uh, Christy. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great weekend. Good night, all.